chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea. The sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things, yet to be among those who come after. So for the reading of God's word, (coughs) as we look at these verses, you'll recall last week, I'm sorry, last time, we were together. Um, the way that we broke this apart, we saw that uh, the, the, the author to Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon, says that there is, in verses 3 to 8, nothing gained under the sun. And then verses, the end of verse 8 to verse, uh, to verse 10, there's nothing new under the sun. And then we'll look at, in verse 11, there's nothing remembered under the sun. We looked at nothing gained under the sun last time. And you recall we talked about all the toil and labor of man, all of his working, and all of the wonder of his working, and all of the, uh, all the things that he amasses, all his possessions, um, are for nothing. Um, if there is indeed all that there is is life in this world under the common curse, the horizontal life, if that's all that there is, uh, it is indeed vanity and futility. Uh, we look to remember at things as magnificent as the Great Wall of China or the pyramids of Egypt and how they too are crumbling. Um, <clears throat> and if this is all there is, it is indeed futility and vanity. Um, and then we come this, more, uh, this evening uh, to verses 8 to 10 first and we'll look at that, what it declares there, that there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing gained and there is nothing new. Uh, nothing new, in a sense, is just a restatement of the idea of nothing gained. And we'll see uh, in, this, in this book and in this type of literature, um, the Lord gives it in, in uh, repetitious, right? It says the same thing many ways for our dull ears to hear. Um, there, is no, there, is an, there is the endless cycle in nature with, which gains nothing. There's nothing new, is what he's saying. It is an on and on and on existence with nothing gained and nothing new. In verse 9, he says there, What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Right? And we looked at uh, just what a downer this is. If this is our perspective. This is truly all there is in life. Um, what a downer indeed. What, what futility. Uh, what a depression. What depressiveness. And then thirdly... The third thing we look at and what we'll focus on is that there is, under the sun, there is no remembrance. There is no remembrance under the sun. Uh, There is no lasting remembrance of those 
who lived in the past. Right? And again, there's no gain. If there is toil and work in all, uh, and to no gain, work and work, and we store away stuff, and we get more stuff, and all has to go to someone else when you die. And that person, the book says, might be a fool who didn't work for it, and who doesn't deserve it, <clears throat> and will lose it all. And it won't matter anyway. This is all there is. Right? You've probably all seen that sticker, the bumper sticker. Well, I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe it was an older thing, but it says... It's usually on like a 4x4 truck or somebody that's, that's pulling a trailer with dune buggies on it or dirt bikes, and it says, he who dies with the mo- most toys wins. Right? You've seen that. Uh, but what should the sticker actually say? It should say, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Right? He still dies. It's been pointed out on numerous occasions that hearses don't have hitches on them. Right? You can't take your stuff with you when you die. And so if the horizontal plane, life in this horizontal plane, life under the sun, life without God, life according to this world alone, right? life in the common curse, without covenant God and apart from the covenant Lord, that life is nothing but futility and vanity. It is meaningless. And this is the point that the author brings and drives home again and again and again. Uh, but praise God, we are not in despair. We are not... In despair, we're not consigned to vanity and futility. We're not left uh, to life merely under the sun, right? And we praise God because of the plan and accomplishment and application and execution of that plan of our triune God. Um, and praise God because of that, we have life in the Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Uh, there is no futility in Christ. Right? That is a glorious word. That is a glorious encouragement. Indeed, all of the things that we go through are but light and momentary compared to the glory of the reality of our home in heaven, of who we have um, by virtue of our identity with Christ. Vanity and futility um, is not a category for us, right? No futility in Christ, no vanity in Christ. Rather, there is victory and there is fruitfulness in Jesus. And so is vanity and futility what everything in this life is reduced to? Is the purpose and end for which God created man mere vanity? Well, it's not, and uh, we have the words of the New Testament, we have the completed canon um, to answer these things for us, to round these out, to flesh them out and fill in for us uh, the truths of these. And we have in Romans 8, chapter 20, the Apostle Paul answers some of these questions, and he says this, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And this is a glorious promise. And this is in that chapter that he's leading into that glory, some of those glorious things we looked at this morning. Um, God works all things for the good. Right? But before that, he's talking about the futility, the subjection of creation because of sin and, and the longing for it to be free from that futility, the bondage to futility, right? It says there in verse 20, it was subjected to futility. And that is the same word. That's Paul's reflecting. It's vanity. It's the same word, right? Paul is reflecting on um, in in the the Hebrew Old Testament, or the Septuagint rather, the Greek translation of that. It's the same word, futility, vanity. It's the very subject matter of the opening and closing of Ecclesiastes, that to which we are looking. And so a man looks for significance apart from God, 
forsaking the true reason for his existence, he discovers something. He discovers all of his labors are meaningless and futile. Apart from God, everything is meaningless and futile. All of his monuments melt into nothing. Everything he works on is given to another. And the only way to be set free from the bondage of decay is to receive the freedom and the glory of the children of God through Jesus Christ. And that is it. But that is all. Right? That's everything. And so the wisdom of Christ we looked at as well a number of times ago. Uh, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. In the wisdom of Christ who is God himself, yet he's perfectly human. He shows us what it means to be truly human. And the author of the Proverbs put it this way. <clears throat> he shows us how wisdom and obedience go hand in hand. In Proverbs 15.33, he says, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So Christ has redeemed us. He's redeemed us, and he's redeemed our life. Right? Our life is in Christ. And those who do not know Christ are consumed. They're consumed by the insatiable desire and a never-ending thirst. It never results in... Uh, in, in which, that that uh, insatiable thirst and hunger desire results in futility and vanity for them. But those who look to Christ find that very thing, satisfaction and rest and satiation in Jesus. For he says, you'll recall the Lord, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Shall never thirst. What a glorious promise from our Savior Jesus Christ. And for those who see no end to their labors and toil, Christ promises rest, right, rest. He says in the end of Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. A glorious promise for a glorious Savior. And so those who are joined to Christ, who are in the Son, they know their labor is not in vain. Those who are united to Christ do not have to earn a place in God's presence or achieve salvation by their effort, by their labor. It's for Christ's labor and Christ's obedience. Those are what secures their salvation. What Christ has already earned for us. And those, uh, therefore, who are in Christ do not work for salvation. They rest. They rest looking by faith to Jesus. We've seen this many times before, but we will uh, be reminded of it again and again. I will remind you of it. Um, we must always remember that our life is a battle, right? Our life is warfare, spiritual warfare. But we war not against, what does the apostles say? Not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the powers of the dark age. And unlike the war of man, this, uh, this war has an end, right? Not because we die, but because through his death, Christ gives us peace and life glorious thing that it is and the lord tells us in first corinthians that christ has conquered sin and the devil and now sits at the right hand of the father and in the end he will destroy death right death will be no more revelation tells us we find peace and rest and we find our end point in jesus christ the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end and apart from christ we find again 
only vanity, only futility. You know, it's interesting, the Bible talks about the number of man. The number of man is 666, three times the number of the day in which man was created. Wicked people, people outside of Christ, will never know the end of their labors. And this is important for us to remember and to reflect upon. If we get nothing else from this little exercise this evening, remember this. Those outside of Christ, destined to futility in all that they do, they never find an end to their labors. Right? Remember in the garden, as, they were, as, as our first parents were cast out, and they were condemned uh, to work the ground through thorns and thistles, Yet the Lord still, in his grace, promised that through that work and through that hard effort, they would still be able to sustain themselves. But those outside of Christ, they never find an end to their rest, to their labor, to their toils, to their toil. They never know or find the peace of entering into that eternal Sabbath rest of the Lord. Right? That is what all of creation, that is what we were made for. Right? If you ever look at, the, look at the creation account, it is charged, it is ordered and charged. The pinnacle and high point of that is rest, Sabbath rest, eschatological rest, if you will. Right? That is the end uh, or ultimate culmination of toil and of work. What is it? It's rest. Right? We don't get up and go to work day after day after day for nothing. At one point, we are promised to enter into his rest. His glorious rest. Again, what was man originally promised and made for? What was all of creation structured to highlight and point towards? I think there's somebody coming up. uh, I don't know if that's locked or not. I didn't mean to interrupt myself. (laughs) Oh, good. All right. Uh, What was all of that geared towards? It pointed to rest. The eschatological rest. God's eternal glorious Sabbath rest. And for, I know all of you have worked hard in your life, and what, a, what, a, what a, a delight it is after hard, hard work to just rest, right? To have rest from our labors. But this is rest that never, it's eternal. It never, you know, we, know, we need no more rest after this. In Christ, the wisdom of God, we find completion, we find rest, we find meaning, we find significance. And let's remember, <clears throat> even as Christians, there is a danger of living in this world. And we can get caught up in the vanity and the futility of man and all of man's things. We can get caught up in the rise and fall of empires, right? Obsession with politics, the rise and fall of this party or that party. We can get wrapped up in revolutions and counter-revolutions, forgetting or putting aside or thinking little of our union with Christ. The union of Christ and the significance that he gives uh, to life itself. We can forget that because we're feeble and forgetful and we're foolish. What is the purpose, again, of all of our labor? Right? Do we work for the glory of man or for our own comfort? Do we get caught up in a grand but ever-failing, never-satisfying scheme? Or are we centered upon Christ and his kingdom, which will truly last forever? The kingdom of God is found in the simple gospel that even a child can understand, right? Even these uh, wonderful covenant children here this evening, it's, it's, the, it's, the, 
It's the simple gospel that a child can learn and love and embrace. The kingdom of God is something that an ordinary, uh, as ordinary as placing your offering in the plate in worship. So that the gospel can go forth into the world and gather God's people who are living stones of his final temple. Being built together wherein the Lord dwells. The kingdom of God is as simple as a prayer uttered in sincere faith to Christ. Right? What does it say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are we continually blown away, brothers and sisters? Are we continually captivated by the gospel? The wonder and glory of the gospel? By his love? By the promise to be with him? Apart from Christ... We are crushed by the words of Ecclesiastes 1, chapter, uh, verse 2. We are crushed by the words apart from Christ. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. It's only in Christ that we are freed from the bondage of vanity and futility. It's only in Christ that we truly may know peace and rest and the end of our labors. Christ has completed all of the toil of the law for us. He has earned redemption for us which we are to receive by faith alone in him. And now we are free to live to his glory from gratitude. Only with the mind informed and attuned by knowing the mind of Christ will we know that life is not futile. It is not just vanity, but it is fruitful and it is victorious. Life in the Son, life in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. <clears throat> 